We just had Dr. Caroline Leaf on. Oh my <laughs> word. It's like drinking from a fire, a fire hose, hose, Jason. Man, uh, she, uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf is a communication pathologist and a cognitive neuroscientist with a whole bunch of degrees and years and years and years of experience. And uh, I'm, my mind is, is broken right now. It's uh, amazing. It, well, like she said, our minds needed to be kind of broken down to be built back <laughs> up, right? Oh yeah. my, the, the renewing of the mind yeah. and the capturing of thoughts. She has a new book out called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. And, and we got into the deep end of the pool on this one. Yeah, renewing your mind, an understanding of the science behind it. Uh, some of the things she said, the idea that we are love, that yeah. uh, our minds, I, first of all, we couldn't ask her a lot of questions because there was, she was just because well, we're not that smart. She well, just no. needs to tell us what to do. <laughs> she just was giving us so much, like you said, a fire hose. But one of the things she said that I wanted to just ask her about was when she talked about how your mind is made for optimism. Like, Yeah, we, we are made for love. We are made for love. I Brilliant. Mean, it's unbelievable, yeah, man. I feel like this has been one of the best Rethinking yeah. God podcast we've ever had. <laughs> and you know what? The irony is, this is the one person that doesn't like tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know, I know, I know. She seemed unimpressed with the uh, yeah. the taco part of things. She was like, "Yeah." I feel like we need to renew her mind in yeah, that area. Yeah, yeah. We were able to find common ground in the uh, South African taco. My brother and I <laughs> believe that shawarmas are the uh, taco of South Africa, uh, and so she came on board there. But man, just a brilliant, brilliant um, uh, podcast where yeah. she essentially uh, gives us really practical understanding of how our mind emotions and spirit work together yeah uh, who we are as people and how to navigate trauma how to navigate really any any of the mm -hmm. brokenness of this world mm -hmm. in a way where we can step into transformation and freedom and, and health and using Jesus as a model yeah uh, I gotta say this has been absolutely one of my favorite yeah me too that we've done yeah. and I'm, I'm excited for our listeners to hear it yeah you guys are going to be blown away on this one. Wow, Dr. Leaf, we are so thankful to have you here today. You know, when my wife found out that we were going to be interviewing the Dr. Caroline Leaf, uh, she was just over the top because you have been so instrumental in our lives, uh, in our church, but personally in our lives, helping us understand what it means to have healthy brains, uh, understanding how to return to joy. Uh, so I just want to thank you for being here. I know our audience is going to be thrilled, but my wife is going to be the most thrilled. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I love talking about the subject and it helps people and that's what counts. But I believe so much in what I do and I've seen so many over the years, nearly 40 years now in this field, so much positivity around this concept and it's pretty much driving us you know we've got to understand our mind our mind is everything you wake up with your mind you go to bed with your mind you your mind never stops so you don't manage it it's a mess and it's really what I teach is the science of renewing the mind and how to bring a thought into captivity that's essentially what I'm doing yeah the ability to renew our minds is I think one of the most important things we can ever participate in it is rethinking God rethinking uh, ourselves who we are uh, it's the evidence that we're alive. Absolutely. And it's the heartbeat behind this podcast. In the context of perfect love, we're rethinking how we live, move, and have our being, what makes us tick. And it's why we're really excited to have you on. 
uh, because uh, you're brilliant. Thank and you. I think you're the first neuroscientist I've ever had an actual conversation <laughs> with. So, so this is going to be fun. Honored to have you here. And we're really excited to dive into this new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, where you help us understand what's happening, what's actually happening in the brain, understanding why we need to manage uh, what's going on, why the renewal of our mind is so important. And the book comes out March second. Yeah, second of March. Did you get the Did you get the copy? Yeah, we did. I'm halfway through it, and it's incredible. Wonderful. I also love the cover. Isn't that Isn't that fun? The cover. We're so excited about the cover, and we've even got some um, colored images. I managed to convince my publisher to put colored images of the brain inside. So you know the brain scans and things that I do, and it just makes it so much more. Oh, now I can't find them. You know, just to see inside the brain and to see the brain scans of what you know what things. So what I'm talking about is real and which is really cool so we can maybe touch on a couple of those things in the interview let's do it uh, i've been reading your book and uh, i was telling my wife the other day i've been reliving an experience and a decision that i made uh, almost 20 years ago that was pivotal uh, in my life uh, a great shift in my thinking and my believing and how i would approach life uh, that has impacted everything uh, and this book has brought language, scientific understanding, uh, clarity on what took place in that moment and wonderful, and maybe the fruit of some of the decisions I made in that moment. So I want to tell you uh, this story, and then maybe it sets up uh, the book and it sets up you to be able to articulate uh, maybe what was happening to me and, uh, and then take it from there. Absolutely. We were in our late 20s, and I had just experienced a disappointment that shook me to my core. And I was trying to figure out uh, in the context of my faith and my life how to move forward. I think I was trying to figure out how to navigate some of this pain of disappointment. Mm -hmm. And uh, I determined that the best way to do so was to become a realist. And this was the language I had at the time, the language I used with my wife. I knew that faith, uh, my faith, uh, wouldn't allow me to be a pessimist because, uh, because for a believer, there's believing and unbelief. Uh, those are the only two options. And I grew up with that foundational approach to life and faith. So I told my wife one day, I said, you know, babe, I think I'm a, I'm a realist. And I said it as though it was a profound insight. And I used uh, the, the glass half full, half empty analogy to articulate where I was. I said, you know, I don't see a glass half full or half empty. I just see a glass and it's halfway. Yeah. I'm a realist. I'm going to call it like I see it. The glass is halfway. My wife was like, sounds good, babe. She was, she was letting me navigate it. And while it might have helped me in that moment navigate some of the disappointment, it wasn't life-giving. Within a week, I was out for a walk. It was my prayer time. I was interacting with God. And uh, in the middle of my explanation to him of realism, he said, Jason, uh, that's great, but I'm not a realist. Mm -hmm. And then using my language to, to talk to me, he said, Jason, I'm an optimist. I'm an eternal optimist. When I see a glass, it doesn't even have to have a drop in it for me to see the potential of the glass being overflowing. Mm -hmm. So, son, you can be a realist if you want, but a realist is just a pessimist with window dressing. Mm -hmm. you got to choose. Either you can believe, which invites you to see the potential in all things. It's a hopeful perspective. Or you don't believe. Those are your two options. And unbelief is an option full of hopelessness. And, you know, God knows how to speak to you. For me, it was a powerful shift that took place. I repented. I had a rethink right in that moment, a renewing of my mind that then took months. And this is the part that I find fascinating while reading your book. 
I made a decision that day to change the way I think, but it took months and months and months to remap my brain. As I'm reading a book, I'm thinking, oh, maybe it actually even rewired my brain. Yeah. But in that moment, I decided I would be an optimist. That was the language I had. I would be a believer. And what I discovered right away was how much unbelief, how much negativity, how much pessimism was a part of every part of my life. Because the first conversation I had after that moment of repenting was with a friend who was talking about a business idea. And the first thing that flooded my mind as he began to speak were all the reasons it wouldn't work, all the reasons it would fail. And I remember actively uh, standing there in the conversation and telling myself to see the full potential of what he was talking about and then speak to those things. Over the course of six months, I would find myself in multiple conversations or just thinking through my day and constantly having to address the pessimistic unbelief perspective that I had immersed myself in mm -hmm. through the window dressing of realism. And it took about six months for me to change the way I thought so that my mm -hmm. first natural response wasn't negativity, but it was positivity. It wasn't pessimism, but it, but it was optimism. And I remember having a conversation one day when somebody was sharing a, a passion and a dream they had, and I began to get really excited. Naturally, I thought of all the reasons it would work, and I began to tell them. And I remember when the conversation was over thinking, oh my goodness, I've changed. I've changed. My approach to life has changed. And the reason that I was enjoying reading this book and getting insight from your book is because there was more life and joy and grace and liberty and freedom. Yeah. It affected uh, my outlook on life and it affected and began to impact uh, my relationships positively. It, it affected uh, my days. I, I suddenly was hopeful and full of life. And uh, as I read your book, I realized that there was some mind management taking place inspired by God, inspired by my relationship with God, but it was mind management taking place and it's science. Could you speak to that uh, in light of uh, this new book you've got coming out? Oh, absolutely, and thank you for that great, you know, that great example of basically reconceptualizing, which is the end product of capturing thoughts and renewing the mind. Mm -hmm. Because you're not supposed to eliminate your story; you're supposed to see it differently, and so that's what reconceptualize means. So essentially, what you took was the house that was. Like I think of imagine um, re re renovating a house and you see this ugly house and you buy it because it's a great area and you've got this great plan, you knock it down. But before you do, you take all these photos of the mold and the grossness and it's dark and terrible carpets and just awful. And then you knock it down and you build this beautiful new home and you still remember the ugly old house, but now you have this beautiful new space. Yeah. And they so it's intertwined in one. So you've reconceptualized. Um, and I'm going to now give you an algebraic equation and then I'm going to give you go into the side. It's very simple. So um, basically, all of us have been exposed to the concept of X plus Y equals Z. When you mm -hmm. go to school and you start learning basic algebra, you learn X plus Y equals Z. Well, Z being something completely new that replaces the old. That's wrong. Mm -hmm. That's wrong. Okay, that's that's wrong. What we're doing with our mind, we can't do that. And that's what, I mean, we try and do that. When we get something new that replaces the old, we've actually eliminated a, a part of our story. So what we need to do is, I know Z seems Z seems so to be so logical, and it's the philosophy of very Western philosophy that kind of concept. But actually, it's a whole different story. What it is is x plus y equals x y. 
And the XY is bonded in a different part. So the X is the old and the Y is the new. And the two together, you have a reconceptualized picture because we cannot eliminate what's gone on in the past, but we can change how it plays out into the future. So by using the terminology of seeing the glass full, as opposed to halfway or half empty or all the examples, you know, if you can see half empty, half full, or you, you decided to say halfway, even halfway was is not a bad thing towards the full. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it was part of your reconceptualizing journey. And then you got to the point what worked yeah. for you yeah. was to see it as full. But in giving the example of a, yeah. a friend who told you a business idea and you started seeing all the things wrong, all those things that are wrong are very real things that could happen. But the shift is in you not just seeing that as a negative thing and, and going down a negative hole, but seeing that as um, those are possibilities that you could learn from. So let's see how you could swing those into the antidote. Yeah. So that's reconceptualization. That is capturing that negative thought and renewing it according to the standard of what we are made of, which is love. We're literally wow. made of love. We know we're made in God's image. God is love. So we're made of love. Wow. And we see that neuroscientifically. So I have some props. Is this Are people seeing this on video as well? No, not yet. We're still just an audio podcast. We'll just have to describe what you're showing us. Okay, so I'm holding a brain. I feel like I'm in school. This is awesome. <laughs> not a real brain. <laughs> it's not a real one. I wish I right. could say it was I wish I could say it was all real, but it's not. But anyway, um, so yeah, I'm holding <laughs> yeah. up a brain. And basically what we're doing yeah. is we are changing how this brain functions. We are basically redesigning this the structure of the brain right. every moment. So in in this whole process, what what we're doing, like okay, so so now I'm gonna go from a big picture, then I'm gonna go to the science and explain this whole thing. So you've, we've all got the analogy so far, your story, the analogies I've given of the house, this concept of reconceptualization, X, Y. Your story is part of your shaping, it's part of your character. Life is experimental. We have been given the ability to think and feel and choose and that is what your mind is so we're made in God's image we're made in love God is love so we are love and love is activated through mind and mind is think feel choose can I hold that thought for a moment and come back to the brain and what we see in neuroscience is that the brain is actually wired for love which means that there isn't a single structure of the hundred structures in the brain and all the different neurochemistry and the right down to the level of the when you go into the cells and you go into the individual parts of the cell, the DNA, down to the level of the DNA, every single thing about the brain and the body. So now I'm holding up a body with the brain in it. Everything about the brain and the body is wired for love. So what that means neurobiologically and biologically, and that statement, by the way, was made by a Nobel Prize winning scientist who said the brain's wired for love. Um, That means that we don't have structures for fear, anxiety, um, depression, toxic uh, envy, jealousy, bitterness, despair, et cetera, et cetera. We don't have structures in the brain for that. And we don't have things in the brain jumping out to give that to you. The brain can't do anything. When you did, the brain disintegrates, the body disintegrates. So the thing that is is bringing energy to the brain and the body is the mind. And the mind is you and the mind is totally spiritual. So when we talk spirit, soul, body, we're talking here's body and brain and body and mind is spirit, soul. Right. And so you've got this, and, and so we, we see them as separate as, as opposed to one thing. And in our current language of today, we use mind and brain very interchangeably as though it's the same thing. And we throw one round words like thoughts and memories and toxic thoughts and, and, and emotions. And But do we really understand what they are? 
So my goal in life is to try and help you to unpack this and understand it because otherwise you're just going to say renew the mind, capture the thoughts, bring all thoughts into captivity, but no one's doing anything. You know, it's just like they're slapping on scriptures as a Band-Aid or using God as a genie and wondering why their life is lousy and then blaming the devil. And then I say, okay, well, then you don't even believe on what was done at Gethsemane because if the devil was defeated according to my reading of the of the Bible. But, you know, so, you know, yeah. we've got to be careful what we're saying and, and, the, and the habits that we've got into and the behaviors that we are kind of performing. So coming with all that, having said that, let's go back to the beginning. So our, we, our brain and body are the physical part of us. It's the 1% of who we are, maybe 10%, but closer to 1%. Right. So you, of you as, as two humans looking at me and you looking at me, back at me as one human and all the humans listening, we are our body, brain and body are 1% to 10% of who we are. Yeah. The other part of who we are is our mind. And our mind encapsulates the spirit and the soul if you want the sort of Christianese element of it. And this brain and this mind are wired for love, huh. have an optimism bias. Yeah. So that means that we have to learn to operate in the toxic. And there's a very interesting thing I'm going to tell you in a moment about the toxic because immediately people are thinking, okay, if I have anxiety or depression, I'm in sin. You're not in sin at all. Mm. You must actually even put the word sin out because it's incredibly um, it's incredibly depressing to think of it like that. You can rather find another word, missing the mark or whatever, but yeah. because sin has got such an end game yeah. kind of feel to it that was there is some kind of feel to it that people feel hopeless. And people are dying from a lack of hope. We have a, 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 a pandemic not just COVID, but we have a pandemic of people dying 58 to 25 years younger than they should. In this current advanced medical and technological age, we have people dying from deaths of despair, from preventable lifestyle diseases linked to lack of hope and incorrect management of mind, all that stuff. And it's eight, dying 8 to 25 years younger. So we've got a, a massive issue. Then COVID hit and COVID has brought us to our knees to rethink how we do life, which it's terrible. COVID's terrible, but we can't carry on like we were. And so it is going to have to shift how we go into the future and so that's a whole reconceptualized future that we need to look into we need to do an xy situation going into the future and i, and I believe that will happen so coming back to the brain and the body being one percent what does that make the mind 90 to 99 percent where is the mind the mind surrounds the brain and the body and moves through the brain and the body when you die the brain and the body go away but you're we, we, we know that the, the, the mind, soul, spirit, soul lives on forever. So th what do we use to understand that? Neuroscience is how we use the, understand the brain and, and neurobiology and biology is how we understand the body and how we learn about the body. How do we understand the mind? We use things like gravitational fields and quantum physics and electromagnetics and the different types of physics. That So classical physics with quantum physics blended together help us to get a, an understanding of what mind is, which is this gravitational field. It's this force. Einstein and even people before Einstein began this work. And the most basic understanding before people get frightened of words like energy, yeah. let me say this right up front and I have to say this because I teach in churches and I teach in neuroscience conferences I never have to say this in a neuroscience conference but I have to say it in churches because people think science and spirituality are, are, are opposing forces yeah. and I never understand why because let's have a look at this science comes from the word sclera sclera means knowledge so therefore who is the source of all knowledge God yeah. so therefore science is God's stuff it's how 
but he may no i don't even like to say god is he i correct myself because i don't believe god is he because god is that's just man's interpretation i rather talk about godness because i don't put god in a box god and it says male and female made us in his image so we do not made us and even that his if you translate back go back to all the original translations wasn't in the original script in the original scripts so we have to talk about god as this massive godness god we should say god all the time as opposed to a pronoun and if, if we go back to the concept of, of of god being this massiveness we have been made in that kind of image and our mind has got the characteristics of this power and those characteristics are creative or have mm-hmm. genesis power creative power because made in, being made in god's image we read that we are able to think feel and choose from scriptures like Deuteronomy 30:19, which tells you, I lay before you life and death blessing, because you choose. Throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible, you see the words choose come in. And interestingly enough, you'll see it coming in in all the holy texts of different religions. You'll see that that mankind has the ability to think and feel and choose. So what is mind? Mind is this force, the spiritual force that is innovating the brain and the body. And it is a force, it's you, it's your you-ness, and you, or the I factor, whatever you want to say, is your mind. And your mind is this phenomenal ability to think, feel, and choose, which is your processing capability and your brain and your body express that so here's how it's happening right now everyone's listening so there's auditory sound waves going out from my mouth and our discussion so your mouths too and then also if the, those that are seeing the visuals if um, if it is visual they're hearing they seeing they're getting electromagnetic um, light waves so there's all these different waves that are coming at you with this information the information is waves of energy God is the source of all knowledge, so science is therefore understanding this. So what I'm describing is yeah. the is the knowledge that God has given us. So God, God is the is is has created the world, and the the Bible is the story and the philosophy of what it means to be a spiritual being. Right. But science is how it works. Yeah. So if people don't like science, don't use a cell phone. Don't watch this use right. Zoom technology. Don't don't wear clothes. Don't don't complain if you have no electricity. All of that science, the growing food, wearing clothes. So we've, can you see how we we make this ridiculous split? So science and spirituality are on two sides of the same coin. So all we're doing when we understand the kind of things that I'm teaching, you are actually understanding how you work. So I'm giving you the science of renewing the mind or the science of how to bring a thought into captivity. Okay, so, the, so mind is this is this is this force that that is eternal in nature. And the Bible's full of scriptures that say the invisible became visible. So it's it's this it's this thing around us that is unique to you. I can't take your mind, you can't take mine. Right. It's unique to you. We even see that in terms of the brain. Every every human's brain has the same basic structures and 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 the way that they function, but each protein and each cell looks different. So in other words, we each have our own unique designed brain that is unique to our mind. So there's a there's a relationship. So only my mind can work through my brain. Your mind can't work through my brain. So your brain is the receiver of what you're hearing and seeing. And at 400 billion actions per second, you are hearing and seeing what I'm saying. Mm. And you, and, 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 as you hear and see, you think, feel, choose. So there's all this think, feel, choose thing going on. And that then gets pushed through the brain, this think, feel, choose 
thing that we're doing, which is mind, which is this processing that we process the the out the in, the incoming information, and then that causes the brain to respond on an electrical, chemical, magnetic, and genetic level. And the result of that, the consequence of thinking, feeling, and choosing energy through the brain is you'll build a thought. And thoughts look like trees. So I have a little plant here with lots of branches, yeah. and thoughts look like trees. So thoughts are real things that occupy mental real estate. So as you're listening to me now, at 400 billion actions per second, you're changing your brain. You're growing a thought tree of this discussion. So mind, brain, mental health, whatever you want to call it. As you introduced me and told the story, you sowed this, Dr. You, literally as you introduced the podcast, that was the seed. As you started speaking with your, the, your, your testing with you and your wife, and then you gave your story and whatever, that was, you were already growing roots. Yeah. Those are branches and those are proteins in the brain, literally. So you're, and growing it, you receive people here, receive what you said, and it was converted into these protein structures. So everything that you're seeing and hearing from the moment you wake up till the moment you go to sleep is being converted into these thought trees starting with the seed which is what it's about and then the detail is all the emotions and the data and that then immediately produces a little tree trunk which which is your perspective of what you're hearing and that then grows into the branches and the leaves which are the your interpretation of the information in terms of your life and how you're going to apply it so it's all the data and the emotions and the behaviors and that then produces what you say and what you do this is really as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I mean, we use heart, 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 but this is what it is. This is the science. Yeah, yeah. So we, so therefore, whatever's coming in, we are basically processing. And this is what we need to regulate. Because if you have something that just comes in and you don't process, you're going to build a toxic issue. And because our brain, as I said already, is wired for love, and our mind, that this force, that process is a think, feel, choose force that moves through the brain and causes the brain and body to respond. So the brain is the responder, the mind is the generator. That Because that is wired for love, this toxic response or this toxic issue, which is there's an origin story in the roots and there's the tree trunk and the perspective which produces the behavior, this creates an immune reaction in the brain and the body. This is read, is read by the brain as a real thing. So the immune system will recognize this in the same way it recognizes something like COVID. So the same kind of responses will happen. So that means that you'll get B lymphocytes and T lymphocytes and macrophages and the various different immune factors, which will then create, in, create inflammation around this area in the brain. Inflammation is there for, to help with healing. It's the fixing process. It's put the inflammation around so the, the body and brain can heal. But if you don't deal with this, the inflammation doesn't go away. So you get then autoimmune and you get the different reactions in your body. And so this continued, if you don't deal with a suppressed trauma, or you don't process the trauma, you can increase your, your immune system function will decrease in its in its functionality. So you'll have an increase in, for example, white blood cell count and you'll have an increase in inflammation across the brain and the body and you'll have increased cortisol and you'll have increased hormones that don't do what they're supposed to do and that then increases your vulnerability to disease by 75 to 98 percent so we can't afford to keep these here because our brain is recognizing them as an invader and is trying to fight them and our mind this this is a cluster of dark trees in a forest so think of all these trees as forests so every every experience you have from at a certain point in the womb till the age you're at now is going to be built into these trees. And most of them will be nice, healthy green trees, but uh, there'll be clusters of the dark in amongst because of our experiences of life. Some people will have more trauma and it's, it's okay. So there's different things, but those that, that every single thing that looks toxic, every experience that's unmanaged 
um, is going to make a mental mess and a, me- and a physical mess because your brain is rejecting that and your mind sees that as um, it's an imbalance of energy wow. and it's not those but an imbalance of energy a damaged and inflamed brain and body doesn't lead to high survival so wired for love is survival so God has this inbuilt mechanism in our brain and our body that is all about survival. And this is why we are drawn to fix the negative. And here I'm going to now throw a little bit of our current thinking on in its head. If one says the glass is half empty and what you did, you did something really good. You owned it. You recognized I am saying the glass is half empty. Yeah, Prior yeah. to that, it's a poten- potentially you were you were you were maybe thinking guilt and I'm sinning and I'm bad and I shouldn't do it. And the more you tried not to do it, the more you did it. It's called the white bear effect. Yeah. I mustn't think like that. It's bad. Stop thinking like that. It doesn't work. You tell yourself to stop. You're going to make it worse. That's not the way to fix something. To tell yourself to stop doesn't fix yeah. it it mm. makes it worse because there's all this suppression that comes into that and when you suppress this thing it's still there growing and invade and impacting you because this will then move into the non-conscious mind and the non-conscious mind operates 24 7 in or in non-conscious not subconscious not unconscious unconscious when you get knocked out from anesthetic or an accident or something non-conscious subconscious is between the non-conscious and the conscious the conscious mind what is what we operating when you wake up until you go to sleep. The non-conscious is the massive driving intelligent force, the spiritual force that is connected to God. And that is your internal power. And that goes all the time. And that's where all your experiences of life are stored in this experimental way. So every time we think, feel, and choose, we're kind of experimenting with data. What does this mean? How? Do, and this is a whole experiment. And sometimes this doesn't work very well. So instead of saying, oh, I'm bad, I'm guilty, I'm condemning, it's shame, and that then makes us want to hide, we say, okay, I did something really stupid. I'm ashamed of it. I was really nasty to my wife or husband. It was totally uncalled for. Instead of saying, oh, I'm a sinner and shame and condemnation, you say, I own it. I embrace that in order to reconceptualize it. The minute that you do that, which is what you did, you embraced it, you you started processing and reconceptualizing, you started, and we haven't discussed your whole story and why, why you had that kind of mindset at Um, that perspective but I'm pretty sure that if we had the time and if you want to we can unpack it but you saw that half glass empty mindset as it was a warning signal and as you faced that warning signal and embraced it the minute you did that you shifted into brain resilience instead of brain damage now hear what (laughs) I've just said the minute you embrace to process and reconceptualize the minute you start trying to work with x plus y to make it x y you are going to shift 1,400 neurophysiological responses and make them work for you, not against you. Wow. But the minute you try and suppress by saying X plus Y equals Z, I'm just going to push this down. I'm just going to force myself. I'm a big sinner. I'm just going to whack on 10 scriptures every day. Or every time I think about this, I'm just going to say 10 scriptures. That's using God as a genie yeah. and scriptures as a magic potion. Uh-huh. That's just, that's not, and that's what people are doing, but it doesn't work because this doesn't. It's counterproductive. Totally. This is in your non-conscious mind, all these trees, and they are impacting your your worldview. These are your belief systems, your cultural upbringing, your religious upbringing, everything you've been exposed to, all of this. So you, if, if we had to unpack why you felt had a negative attitude to life, if we unpack that from the signals to the behaviors and the emotions to the perspective to the origin, we would find a whole 
and you may have done this and you probably have because it's nearly, what, 16 years later and you have got this under control. In the process, you would have found the origin story and it may have taken yeah. you a few months and so on. But until you find that and then reconceptualize it into X, Y, not, not I talk about eliminating toxic thoughts that my system that I've developed called the neurocycle, which is how you do this, how you find these things and capture them and renew them and embrace them and reconceptualize them and get X, Y and all that stuff. It's called the neurocycle. And the neurocycle is a scientific process of how you capture a thought, how you recognize it's there in the first place, how you capture it and how you renew it. Renewing is this reconceptualizing, this X, Y, the see the, see the glasses full before it's even full. Wow. That's the concept. But to get there, you can still remember how you were. You remember, you could describe to me. So you described X and you described the new Y. You described X, Y. But you could only get to X, Y by recognizing and embracing and facing what you did. Uh, I mean, what you were, how you were living. And, 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 and we do that without shame and guilt. Own it. Embrace it. Take the guilt and the shame. Make it work for you. And then you make these 1,400 neurophysiological responses work for you, not against you. But wow. if I say, oh, no, I'm seeing half glass, I'm negative, I'm terrible, I'm a sinner, I'm a this, you go down, 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 you make 1,400 neurophysiological responses work against you. You yeah. have decreased brain resilience and, and brain mm. and body health. And that will reflect in your mind because it's a feedback loop and you'll just feel worse and worse. These don't go away and these are just going to increase. And the more you try and slap them down, the more they pop up. So that we have to, okay, so I gave you a really long answer. And please be, feel free to unpack and ask and whatever. Uh, I think I'll be unpacking, yeah, for yeah. quite a while. Good. And your love is Hey, guys. I'm interrupting this podcast for just a minute so I can invite you to partner with us by giving to a family story. A Family Story is a 501, a nonprofit, and it's our ministry. And it's what allows for me to produce this podcast and other regular content. We've been living this faith journey for a long time, but 2014 was when we officially stepped away from the traditional pastoring approach to full-time ministry. It's been fun. This journey has been wild. And this last year was no less faith-inducing with COVID affecting travel and speaking. And it's been good because, hey, we started a podcast. Our passion is to create content catalytic for an encounter with the always good, transforming, reconciling love of our Heavenly Father. And so our heart through this ministry has always been that through speaking, writing, film, and music, we're relentlessly sharing the goodness of our Father, the good news. Your giving goes directly to support this podcast, as well as written content, discipleship content, teaching small group messages, articles that we release weekly, and also the book I'm writing. I'm excited about what I'm chasing down right now. We appreciate all the support, whether it's sharing, writing a review, following us, signing up for our email list, or financially. We just love being on the journey with you. If you want to give to A Family Story, you can go to afamilystory.org, afamilystory.org, and click on the Give button. All right, thanks, guys. Let's get back to the podcast. You know, Dr. Leaf, uh, man, my own personal story is a story of overcoming grief, uh, but that grief obviously still remains. My first wife was killed by a drunk driver. She was seven months pregnant. Oh, my gosh. That's terrible. At the time. I'm so sorry. And this was back in 1993. It was just absolutely devastating. And that. Oh, my gosh. No. 
that has caused me a lot of of issues in my own life of learning how to deal with this and renewing mm-hmm. my mind. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing you speak into that <sighs> about grief. And, and just to, so you know, I mean, I'm remarried. I've been married 25 years. Beautiful. Uh, my wife, Sarah, is just an absolute amazing gem. Beautiful. Wonderful. And uh, we have two beautiful daughters. So I live with three women and a neutered dog. <laughs> a neutered dog. <laughs> but um, um, I would love for you to speak to people that feel like they're stuck in a moment. They're mm-hmm. stuck in grief and they just can't get out of mm-hmm. it. Uh, mm-hmm. I've managed to use some of your teachings and many others to help me walk through that. And I don't think grief ever fully goes away. And yeah. In fact, I think we were watching an episode of, of WandaVision recently and, and they stated that isn't grief just love persevering? Uh, and I thought that was a, a great, great statement. It, it really mm-hmm. like helped me a lot personally. But could you speak into that for people that feel like they're just stuck and they can't get out of tragedy and grief? First of all, I want to acknowledge your pain. I mean, that is horrific, what you had to go through. And that grief never goes away, but you've learned over time to manage it. And and you just don't have to feel any kind of guilt. Because I, And I want to just mention that because I've done, I've done actually done quite a lot on grief. And I've, my podcast is called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. So if anyone is in grief, there is a great teaching on there. And I have a neurocycle as well for dealing with grief and all that. I just wanted to say that. And grief is such a circular thing. So you might even get hit 25. You know, just bringing it up today, you might find that you have a reaction tonight. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. That is very normal to be able to allow yourself to experience that. But what you've done is you haven't kept it. You didn't keep it stuck. You turned that into not, There's nothing happy about that event. But somehow you have managed to reconceptualize it. And now that terrible event, which is that, it's awful. And you're a victim. But by embracing it through the grief process and through how whatever whatever steps you took, you turn that into actually gold leaves mm-hmm. inside this. For our podcast listeners, you're holding up a dead tree in one hand and then a tree with life that has the new gold leaves growing on it. Totally. So the X, Y that toxicity right. becomes the gold inside here. Yeah. And, and, and and however you've reconceptualized and seen that, which has enabled you to, so you want to honor that. You want to remember the good times and you want to remember the, you know, that's, and that's so important anyway. So I yeah. just wanted to stress, mm-hmm. stress that that is your X, Y concept that you, when you, when you reconceptualize um, into, into something else. So you're saying, what do you say to someone when they feel like they're completely stuck? And they can't move forward. That was your your specific question. So yeah, you know, Doctor Leaf, I I just meet so many people that are literally stuck in depression, and they feel like they will never get out of it. How do we help people, and how will your book help people understand that they can change their brain, that they can move forward? Okay, such a good question. In our current era. The answer to that in our current psychiatric movement would be you clinically depressed, get a label and get medication. And that's not going to help because it may, you know, for it, you may give temporary relief. You may say, okay, well, this is why I feel bad. I've got clinical depression. I've got a chemical imbalance. No science in that at all, by the way. It's And it's destructive. It's created more problems. We see scientifically that that actually has created more problems. We now have a pandemic of mismanagement of mind. That's not going to help, but that's what would happen. But you may get temporary relief from an antidepressant because it numbs your emotions, but it doesn't 
fix that. And the numbing actually is, dam- is actually not numbing. It's actual brain damage. Mm. But, you, but you can heal. You can heal. So anyone on any kind of psych drug, when they taper off very slowly under medical supervision, your brain can heal. And it's the healing process that brings all the the uh, withdrawal symptoms. But you can get through that under medical. I just wanted to make that as a sidebar, side note, etc. So what I would say to someone in that in that state when they're completely stuck is that the way that you're feeling at the moment is is all consuming and it's how you are actually coping in an adverse circumstance. So the first thing is to recognize that this is normal, that you're normal, because part of a lack of hope thinks, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get out of this? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, do you know how many DMs I get and, and emails we get from people in the church, much more from people in the church, which is a big concern, saying that I love Jesus, but I'm still depressed. I can't get through my pain and terrible guilt and condemnation. And my first you know, comment back, and, and I talk in general a lot about this, is that you need to not have condemnation. This is a normal human response to an adverse circumstance. And the hope that we have is there's a model in Jesus provides the model of how to manage this perfectly. And I'm not talking about the 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 the, the, the sort of philosophical spirit. Listen to what I'm saying. Very practical. If anyone was practical, Jesus was the most right, practical right. scientist <laughs> out there. So what did Jesus do? He went into the garden. That means he embraced it. Mm. But Jesus didn't embrace it with a big smile on his face and, oh, this is one happy day and all that stuff. Jesus was in terror, in desperation, in deep anxiety, deep depression. And don't think that I'm saying that, oh, how can Jesus be depressed? Read the Bible. Jesus experienced every single emotion that you're experiencing. So from the extreme psychotic breaks to um, disassociation to extreme levels of despair and and extreme depression and anxiety, that is what Jesus embraced in the garden. But Jesus didn't run away from it. So Jesus did not go and get a label and something to suppress it. Jesus embraced it. So what we have to do if you're feeling lack of hope is to give yourself permission to get in the garden and experience the emotion. It's okay if you feel stuck and own that. I feel stuck. I feel so depressed. I don't know how to get out of bed. I don't know how to live another day. I have suicidal thoughts or I don't, whatever it is. I mean, such extreme anxiety that I can't cope. I can't be a, a, a father. I can't, I'm so depressed. I'm so suicidal. I can't be a decent husband or wife or child. Or That's okay. Let's find the meaning behind that. Let's get in the garden and let's embrace it. And it's hard and painful. And I show in my book the link between the mind-brain and how as you experience this and face this without even facing it, any of these inside your body are affecting your, I explained it earlier, this is like your body recognizes this this experience as something like a, a viral invader. So Jesus in the garden, mm. you with your experience with your wife, you with that experience in your past with the, the negative mindset and whatever caused that, as you're in that, that is causing inflammation in your brain. It's disrupting the, the balance between the two sides of the brain. It's reducing blood flow and oxygen. It's increasing cortisol levels. It's dropping DHA. It's increasing prolactin. I mean, it's all these biomarkers, I talk about a lot of them in here, I give you graphs, simple explanations, it does affect them. Why? Because your mind works through your brain and your body. So if your mind's messy, and this is a messy situation, grief and loss and trauma and, and toxic habits, these are messy situations. And that's why cleaning up your mental mess is a very human thing. That the lack of hope that you feel and the despair that you feel, you being human, if you are human and alive, you are going to have a mental mess. Mental health is mental illness 
isn't an illness per se. It is more an experience, a response to an adverse circumstance. And it's something that you will have as a, as a human. And sometimes it's in the minus four, plus four range, but sometimes it can slide down the continuum to minus seven, eight, 19, where you are totally broken. And Jesus had that in the garden because Jesus sweated blood. To sweat blood, you are your mind is so distressed that you've affected the neurophysiology of your body and your blood capillaries can burst. That is a very possible thing, Jesus sweated blood. So that shows the mind-body integration. Jesus demonstrates, number one, embrace and face. The only way out is through. The, you, you've got to feel it to heal it. You've got to get in there. And it's okay to cry, to sweat blood, to feel despair. Own it. Describe it. Embrace it. And that's what the five steps of the neurocycle do. I teach you how to do that. And we can we can discuss that in a moment. So then just moving forward, Jesus turned to the disciples right. and didn't say, give me Prozac, swap places, give me opioids. How are we going to get out of this? Jesus turned, and I don't mean to be facetious, but really he did not ask for a way out. He simply turned to them and said, can you but be with me for an hour? Can you be with me for but an hour? In other words, mm-hmm. I don't, you, sure. I, you can't do this for me. This is my story. Mm-hmm. I have to go through this, but I need your support. Mm-hmm. And we see from quantum physics, not, it's not about you. It's about you in the world. At our most core level, of most fundamental, you can see physical, but at our core level, we waves of love. Literally, this is science. This is hardcore science. If we go down from your the physical that you see into the structures, into the cells, into the parts of the cell, into the subatomic level, and below you are particles and waves. Right. Okay, so right. this is very, very real. So in order for us to help each other, we need to support each other. And this is where coaching, counseling, et cetera, et cetera, therapy are so vital, but done properly. We can do so much damage with coaching, counseling, therapy, if we think we can fix someone. You cannot fix anyone. Mm-hmm. No one can fix anyone. The only thing you can do is support. Right. The only thing you can do is carry. I don't know if you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, but it's an incredibly amazing movie. And Tolkien was a, a Christian, and he was a South African. So hooray to the South Africans. But the story in, in there is just very significant of um so um basically we need to recognize that life is an epic journey but we've got our own ring we've got our own story and our own set of stories we have our narrative and if you ignore the narrative and you just give someone a label when they're depressed you've ignored the narrative to say to someone after three weeks who've just lost their wife and baby if you still feel depressed if you went to the doctor three weeks after and you still felt depressed they'd give you clinic a label of clinical depression and give you medication you do not have a chemical depression which doesn't even exist anyway you have had a terrible trauma and that trauma has definitely affected your brain and your body definitely you've got inflammation and all that stuff and yes they may need you may need your heart health managed and and dietary changes and whatever but that is not the cause of your feelings it's what happened it's the external event and you having a normal reaction so those people that are stuck it's okay get in that garden and embrace it then jesus was processing the processing of his ring his whatever his issue the cross which we know what it was was unique to him and what he wanted was support not someone to fix so we've got to make sure we enhance like two waves when two waves hit each other they they enhance each other so this is what we're supposed to be doing we see how one wave is under the other right that's support i'm not fixing i'm not trying to say change this which is what a lot of therapy, counseling, pastoring, and I'm not saying you do it, I'm just talking that's what's happening. We've got to do this. We've got to create this effect. And also sometimes we flatline people because you condemn them to the point where they where they, they can't do what you're telling them to do because we can only advise and support. Okay, Then it gets worse before it gets better. Jesus gets beaten up, you know, and it gets like shredded. And then even worse, 
on the cross. So we see this in, and I talk about this in the book, in the first half, I explain all the sciencey stuff in the mental health system. And very simplistically, at the science section, I say, here's a science, then I say, this is what it means for you. And there's colored pictures and all kinds of things of stuff happening in your brain and, you know, that will help you. But um, essentially, it gets worse before it gets better. But the, on the cross is the point at which you actually reconceptualize, where you start seeing the X plus Y. And you're starting to get to that point. And then you, Jesus rose with the wounds in his hand. There's the X and the Y. See? It's with you, the story, the extreme story. So here we have how we manage our minds. Now, this is not a one-off event for the odd occasional thing. So your extreme trauma is one version of, of how we would use mind. Your mindset of the negativity was one version of how you had to fix your mind. Right. There's a million other habits that you, us three, have that are toxic. And a whole lot of other traumas that we've all suffered that we still need to work on and that we, may, that we will still suffer in the future because that's just statistically the next five years there will be an acute trauma in your life. That's just kind of statistically what happens because we can't control the events and circumstances. However, the shift occurs in that we can learn how to manage that. We can learn to go through the process of embracing and reconceptualizing and embracing, processing and reconceptualizing, which is incorporate the story into our life so it can move forward. So that's a kind of a big answer, but it's really to give yourself permission and to get in that garden to experience that emotion. But there's a forward movement. You don't get stuck at the beginning of the front of the garden. You move through. Yeah. So you get what we call the treatment effect happening as you move through, where yeah. facing makes it worse. And people often say this, they're feeling awful, but then they face it and they feel worse. And we saw this with our subjects. We had some subjects that came into the into the clinical trial. We had a control and an experimental group. And the control group, they came in with all kinds of things. And some of them were so depressed, they were suicidal. They tried everything. They had were sleeping. They were, their relationships were shot. They battled to get back to work. I mean, really severe stuff. This was kind of, for some of them, one of them in particular, this was like the last shot before they were checking out kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And that's how severe. And they'd done every kind of treatment. Pro they'd had every label under the sun. And they came in feeling hopeless and feeling that I am depression, that this is it. That's just, that's the identity. Right. And the brain scans showed complete, in fact, this is the one that I picked up over here, this particular subject, that blue, these are, this This is a, inside the brain, these are the different energetic waveforms. So it's delta, theta, alpha, beta, gamma, a high beta and gamma, which is what how the brain is responding. It's These waves are moving through your brain at the moment, working with your blood flow and your oxygen and the chemicals. And it's, it's the life force basically. And so the blue means this person was like flatlined. That like a, think of a, a, a wave, a, a pool, a, a pond that's completely flatlined. This, by day 21, with using the neurocycle in app form. So they got, in the, at day one, they came in, they got tested the brain, all their blood, DNA, psychological testing, and then also their narrative. Most important part of the entire study was what is your story? Mm -hmm. What's happened? What's your context, your past, your present, your dreams, your hopes, what's going on in your life? They don't do that at the moment. At the moment, it's your, you, you've seen it's neuro-reductionistic neuro biomedical model. You're depressed, five symptoms, diagnosis, label, Okay, that's not going to help. You've got to bring in the mind. So hmm. by day 21, this person had the same amount, same testing. All the subjects had the same testing. But after three weeks, we see gray. Gray, 
a gray in the brain means that the energy levels have all those different delta, theta, alpha, beta, gamma, um, and high beta have started moving like they're supposed to through both sides of the brain. And the green at the front of the brain is starting to show that they don't see their identity totally as depression, but that they are experienced depression. By day 63, this person was stabilized. Yeah. They had actually, they now, the brain had stabilized. And what they were saying was, at day one, I'm depressed. I'm giving up. Right. Day 21, I still experience depression. Listen to the difference. I experience depression, yeah, but I'm yeah. now not now seeing why. By day 63, I don't mind the depression because now I know what to do and it's not so often. Huge difference. Huge difference. And that's mind management. That's renewing of the mind. So when that person experiences depression in the future, you don't have to feel guilt, condemnation. Oh, I should have gone. Why am I? It's okay. Own it. Get in the garden. And that's just another thing you have to work through. Maybe something just happened. Every day things can make you depressed. So we've got to see depression, anxiety, terror, fear, despair, not as evil things, but as helpful messengers, warning signals, warning signals that there's the work to be done, that there's a reason why you there's an origin story. Okay, so that's what I'd say there, Adam. <laughs> My gosh, that's incredible. There's so much here. One from this perspective that uh, we can't change anyone, that, uh, that all we can do is be support. I mean, man, that picture of Jesus in the garden uh, and the very human experience he was having, the need he had simply for support as he was to go through something. I mean, that's just powerful. Yeah. Dr. Leaf, that's just powerful. Um, man, the idea that uh, transformation and wholeness is an inside out as opposed to an outside in job. I think that's what you're saying. I, I um, There's so much to unpack. And just the idea that, that our brain is wired for love, wired for optimism, wired in that way. And uh, that's how God created us. I mean, that's just incredible. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, well, most Christians know that God is love. I mean, most of the world knows that God is love. Most of us uh, aren't living as though we are wired for love, as though that's how we were designed and created. Yeah. I don't know that most of us actually uh, are walking in this. I think this is some of the rethinking that we're doing, is that we are actually created in the image of love, God is love, and we are wired for love. We are created to know love, to mm -hmm. live uh, continually growing more confident in, in love. And uh, one of the things that cuts us off from this is uh, shame and condemnation. Uh, you said uh, it's those are the things that we need to address, things that we need to not run from. But mm -hmm. the other thing that you said that I find fascinating is you addressed this twice. You talked about the church being one of the places where where seeing people experience breakthrough or wholeness or um or experiencing an actual uh, renewal of the mind uh it's almost harder in the church personally i i would say it's because uh, the church is an outside in approach at times a behavior focused approach where shame and condemnation are used to manipulate or control yeah they like whips yeah like whips an outside approach to control behavior and of course shame and condemnation can be used as a tool to modify behavior for a moment but none of that's actual transformation none of it's sustainable and not sustainable mm -hmm. and it's not only not sustainable it's counterproductive to the mm -hmm. journey of transformation it actually cuts us mm -hmm. off mm -hmm. from being changed is 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 that fair to say that uh, you you run into more obstacles uh, regarding seeing people 
experience freedom and wholeness within the church? Is Absolutely. This, is that fair to say? Oh, gosh, it's unreal. It's unreal. And it's honestly years that I'm seeing this. And I see it and I work in every environment yeah. and across the board in, from corporate to neuroscience, to medical, I train physicians. And I see this absolutely legalistic whip kind of whiplashed kind of minds that, that are too scared to actually yeah. say who they are and what they are. And, and it's like you can't admit that you're depressed or anxious or whatever. And it's only 4% of churches are talking about mental health. And when they do, it's all about it's a sickness, go to the doctor, wow. pass the buck. I mean, it's terrible. The churches should be the, the <laughs> should be where people are able to be comfortable enough to actually embrace, process, and reconceptualize. The, the model of Jesus is not being carried out in the church at all. I don't believe at all. Wow. Uh, you know, and I, and I maybe that's a very strong statement, but I go across the board and across the world. And with pre-COVID, I traveled seventy percent of the month, and I have worked in. I, I don't know what environments I haven't worked in, literally, and um, going into like you know even into the United Nations soon and that kind of thing, so we can reach larger. But I've worked in different countries, and I've worked in war-torn Rwanda and all kinds of places, and. Yeah consistently I'm seeing whenever there's a legalistic model in place, and it's not just the church, it's wherever right. there's a very religious legalistic model in place, you yeah. will have people that are tremendously uh, emotionally impaired, so caught up mm -hmm. in shame and condemnation that they can't function. Right. You know, and this is where we have to get back to the realization that this is all mind. You are mind driven no mind no you you know and you can think feel and choose and that thing and you're always thinking when you think you will feel when you think and feel you'll choose this is the gift that god has instilled in us as a made in god image right. we have this perfect way of thinking feeling and choosing and as we th those three go together that's mine as you think and feel and choose you're going to build these thoughts there's a consequence i lay before you life and death Okay, and but there's a way out, and the way out is that you are going to make a lot of crazy choices because that is life. It's you know I don't know how to say this. This is this will set a lot of people free if they get what I'm saying. It's it, it, God is totally okay with you making mistakes and experimenting yeah. because every experience is an experiment. Right. We, we can't control the events and circumstances, but we can learn to manage our mind and control our reactions and responses. And that's what we're not teaching people. We're not teaching people about mind, what it is, what brain is, how to manage mind. And we should be teaching our kids from babies. It should be part of school curriculum. Yeah. This is your yeah. mind. This is how you manage your mind. So what I've done in this neurocycle concept over 38 years of 25 years of clinical practice, 38 years of, of clinical research, I've put this together and created this concept of the neurocycle, which is the five-step scientific process of how you capture a thought and how you renew your mind. In, whether it is in the moment, like in the moment, like to now you've got, you have this, an argue with an argument with someone or you have an Instagram issue or someone says a comment that makes you unhappy or whatever it may be. Um, anything to the big stuff of dealing with toxic stuff, the big stuff like toxic traumas. I explain in this book in the second half how to do the five steps of the neurocycle, how to use it for the in-the-moment stuff. So you can use it the five steps in a few seconds just to manage those in-the-moment stuff. And then also how to use the five steps for 15 to 45 minutes a day to deal with the traumas, those toxic traumas, the big T, the small the acute plus the toxic habits also how to build your brain and build new habits into your life yeah. so it's all it's how to use your mind 
and and when you're doing that, the more you do it, the better you get. Right. So I'm not saying that I've got it all together, but I'm getting there because I'm I practice the skill all the time. So now if I get irritated with my husband or frustrated with my kids because four three of them work for me, and my husband works in the business, so we are family run business. Very easy to get irritated. Now I know how to capture myself quickly and recognize my warning signals, capture gather awareness of them, reflect on them, write it down, recheck, active reach, which is the five steps, explained in detail in the book. That's the neurocycle, and that's how you manage your mind. So you're using your mind, your wise mind, the made in God's image mind, to manage the mental mess, and you do that all the time. So in in closing, literally, you can go three weeks without food. You can go three days without water. You can go three minutes without oxygen, but you can't even go three seconds without your mind working. So Mm. the underlying argument is if your mind is always responding, at nighttime it sorts out the thoughts that you built during the day, your mind is building thoughts. If if you're always responding, that means that the underlying premise is you need to manage that. So there's my closing statement. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yes, such a great closing statement. And I, I really think this is where your book is going to help people because it is so practical in giving just the step-by-step way that we can clean up this mess in our minds. And that's what I'm teaching you how to do it. Exactly. The how-to. The (laughs) (laughs) how-to. We're honored to have you on. Thank you so much. Before we let you go, we know you got to go, but we got to talk about tacos. It's in the title. (laughs) Do you like tacos? Um, I do, but I'm not crazy about them. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, no. My kids love them. All right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard thing to hear. I know, I know. Well, what about shawarmas? You're from South Africa, right? That's, In South Africa, yeah. Shawarmas are just basically a South African taco. <laughs> it's a, that's true. I do like shawarmas. So, yes, then I suppose I can say I do. Oh, that was close. As long as it's grass-fed, wild, farm-to-table, organic, I'm good. <laughs> That'll work. Dr. Leaf, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming Thank on here so today. Much. I know you're going to help so many people, and it has just been a joy hearing about your heart for people having healthy brains. If people want to find you, where should they look? Uh, internet, Instagram, all the places. Tell us where we can find you. It's my pleasure. And people can get the book at cleaningupyourmentalmess.com and my Instagram handle, Dr. Caroline Leaf and all drleaf.com. Dr. Leaf, thank you so much for being on the show today and giving us your time uh, and, and leading us into this world of healing. Yeah, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye. Hey guys, we're so glad that you are joining us for season two of Rethinking God with Tacos. Uh, You can find me, Derek Turner, at rivercharlotte.com. That's my church. And I'm on all the social medias as Pastor Derek T, D-E-R-E-K, Pastor Derek T. Yeah, and uh, he's a Twitter savant. You gotta follow him on Twitter. I'm also on Twitter uh, at Jason Clark is, uh, and you can find all of these podcasts, including season one, on all of the platforms. You can also go to afamilystory.org and everything's there. If you sign up for our mailing list, we send out a weekly email that has uh, articles, podcast information, and uh, we also let you know about new books coming out or events that we're uh, connected to. So yeah. uh, like, share, retweet, and uh, and man, if you could write a review, it actually does something for the rankings. It, it, it does, it yeah. Available, so. But a five-star review, of course. <laughs> yes. You know, if you can't write a five-star review or something... <laughs> Like, just don't even write don't, a review. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like if you can't say something nice, don't say anything, don't say at, anything all. at all. I, I like that. And then apply that to this podcast. Definitely. <laughs> That's my motto. That's I like what it. I do. I love it. So love you guys. Appreciate you coming on the ride with us. God bless. <laughs>